0: Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we're both very excited to be talking to you about a brand new film that we saw together in the theater over the holiday Godzilla Minus One.
1: を切り裂く
0: you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston?
1: I do. This is very brief from IMDb, so we might have to, like, get into the story a little bit on our own. But the the uh, synopsis from IMDb is post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb. And this is probably the last time I'm going to try to the, – the first and last time I'm going to try to pronounce names – the director is Takashi Yamazaki, and it stars Manami ha- Hamabe. I'm not going to try this name. I'm not going to pronounce any names. We don't speak Japanese. We don't folks. speak Japanese. So. All right. So this was, I I want to say, this is probably the, the first time that we got to see a movie in the movie theater together, probably since the 1980s. I can't think of a time. That's right. Since then, so. So what did did you think? Oh, first we want to say brand new movie, and and we will spoil this. So uh, if it is still playing in your area, this is a movie to see on the biggest screen that you you can find. So if you want to watch it first and then listen to what we have to say, I would recommend that.
0: And we do spoil, spoil, spoil. We're going to talk all about it, so be warned. Um so to your question what did i think of it well i mean we've talked about it a lot so you know what i think of it but um i loved it i am not a godzilla fan like it just never the the entire i'm not really a kaiju fan um i you know there's been a lot of re- godzilla movies coming out i feel like in the last Ten years, maybe slightly longer. Uh, certainly, American cinema has tried to reinvent that property and and breathe new life into it. And I kind of feel like each one is worse than the last. There have been some that are a little better than others, but I'm just not excited by a giant lizard destroying a city whether it's Tokyo or New York or LA or 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 a giant lizard fighting a giant ape or a giant lizard fighting a giant moth like i don't care um mm-hmm. this movie however um really made it feel fresh to me really it, you know of course if it's got Godzilla in the title the assumption is this is an action movie about a giant lizard that destroys everything in watching this film it, it there are action sequences it does tick the boxes you do get to see godzilla destroying tokyo you get to see mobs of terrified people fleeing for their lives before the onslaught of godzilla you get to see godzilla firing his atomic heat ray um uh, or her we don't really establish we don't spend a ton of time with Godzilla in this movie to say it's a drama is a little disingenuous but it really follows a central character who is a kamikaze pilot and God's one of the things I love love, loved about the movie and there are many is that it really underscores the idea of Godzilla as a metaphor and what precisely Godzilla is a metaphor for is sort of a little bit open-ended. I don't think you have to put it in a single box. But I think that really, that's what I've been missing, is it's not, (laughs) it's a Godzilla movie that's not about the literal giant lizard. It's about the metaphorical giant lizard. And you get to have your cake and eat it too, right? You get to enjoy the big destruction scenes, which I think are done really well, um, but you also get to have this wonderful character development and terrific writing and scenes between characters that you come very quickly to care about and and how this is all affecting them and and in the marriage of those two things is the, is that this giant lizard becomes a metaphor for other stuff that is destroying slash profoundly affecting the characters' lives. Right. And it's not just about what do we do about the giant lizard? Oh, the giant lizard is here. Oh, what, where did the giant lizard come from? What does the giant lizard want? Those things are irrelevant. And I think if if a giant monster was attacking the city, you wouldn't psychoanalyze it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, all you could do is respond to it, which I think is, is part of the point of the, you know, kaiju. It's, it represents the atomic bomb or, you know um america or whatever you know name you want to put on it it's this this this, this powerful thing that's destroying your life and you can gnash your teeth and say oh, oh did i cause this is this about me um or all the things that a human being would do in a time of crisis but but you'd basically be concerned for for running for your life like <laughs> you know yeah Anyway, that was a long monologue. What did you think of it?
1: So I think we probably here at some point ought to get more in depth in the story. But yeah, I I totally agree with you. I, I haven't like, yeah, I would say I've never been a gigantic Godzilla fan either. And the newer movies, the newer American movies have my probably biggest pet peeve with blockbuster type movies is oh it's just turn your brain off you know it's a giant lizard blah 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 and i get that it's a giant lizard but what they do with this film is and you talked about it it being uh you know that it's sort of a drama but not exactly a drama so we have this opening scene where the main character He's with other, uh, so basically it's like they, if I recall correctly, um, they're Japanese soldiers, they're on an island, and I think they don't know the war is over yet. Is that right? Is that, is that how it goes? Um, or is it war, actually during the
0: war when? It, I think it's right at the end. Okay. So I think it is in sort of, the, I mean, whether or not they know the war is over is a little bit irrelevant. They, mm-hmm. they get that the war is lost yeah and whether or not there's been a declaration of concession is a little bit irrelevant but i th- i th- if I remember correctly, it's kind of up in the air
1: but so we have so our main character's on this island with these other soldiers, and we get into the action right away because they're there. Godzilla shows up. Godzilla looks very different than what we are kind of used to him looking like initially in the movie. He almost kind of looked like at rex to me. But this is before he's been really, uh, you know, changed or transformed by the nuclear energy or whatever. So um, he is a fighter pilot who had, he was a kamikaze pilot who had, um, you know, he got scared and didn't follow through with his kamikaze mission. And then there's a second time here with Godzilla where they have the plane on the ground and You know, he gets in the cockpit to shoot at Godzilla and he freezes up and all the other soldiers, except for one guy, uh, they all die. So it's just these two guys who are left alive. And the other soldier then, of course, blames him for not saving these guys. He goes back to, uh, I guess it's Tokyo and find, you know, and everything is destroyed and he finds out that his parents are dead. And then he runs into this young woman <clears throat> with a baby and he takes her in. And then we kind of go from there. And after that initial, you know, we had that really cool scene and you leaned over to me in the in the theater and said, this is effing awesome, you know, which I felt yeah. exactly the same way with the Godzilla yeah. stuff. But then we get into the the drama part and it's really heavy, you know, then you yeah. have another, I don't know, <clears throat> 20 minutes or so, maybe more before we really get back into the Godzilla stuff and it's you know pretty serious drama stuff with him dealing with all this grief of you know his family has died and he feels like he was a coward by not you know going through with with his duty and everything and now he is uh, it's taking care of this woman and this baby who she wants to have a relationship with him but he doesn't really want to because you know, he feels like he's a, a coward and all of that is really well written and really well acted. And this is what so much of the time we're missing now with, with these blockbuster kind of movies. And I, I hope that Hollywood studies this and can get, learns the right lessons from this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, on the other hand i mean the kind of hollywood stuff this was a 15 million dollar budget and the effects in this are amazing
0: yeah it's and, unbelievable you, know, if you, put, you told me it was a 15 million dollar movie and i believe you but it, i don't and believe i mean you right you know just like no you know it's cg
1: but it looks great and i mean as so we have the drama and everything but with godzilla itself i don't know if you know like you said is it is it a male or female i don't know there were times in this godzilla is actually scary and there were times where there's things where he's destroying things in the city and people are hanging you know from ledges and all this kind of thing where i was getting legit a- anxiety in the theater yeah. at some of this you know they just do a really great job yeah with all of the uh not of carnage is the right word because there's not really a lot of blood in this but just Things falling apart and the camera swooping around and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm kind of rambling now, but I just feel like this is the way, uh, these kind of big budget action movies should be done. And this is yeah. the, this is the best one of these that I can recall seeing in a long time.
0: Yeah. Why do I what's engaging about watching giant robots turn into cars and planes and tanks and back again if i don't care right yeah. if i don't care about the characters whether they're one of the giant robots or one of the people being threatened by one of the giant robots right why why do i care about a movie if there isn't character development and story development and in ways that are engaging to me as an audience i have to empathize or else it's just a whirling dervish of computer generated imagery and looks cool but is simultaneously boring Mm -hmm. um and i feel like that is absolutely the problem with a lot of these big budget things is it it almost feels like it was written by an ai that doesn't Mm -hmm. understand human (laughs) it's like you know and, and and when we go back to the first, well, reboot or whatever of the Transformers movie with uh, Megan Fox and Shia LaBeouf, I think Megan Fox and Shia LaBeouf are compelling enough on screen that you do get attached to those characters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the big action sequences of those things are still focused on the whirling dervish. They're just focused on the look what I can do, of the CGI, and you stop caring. You stop caring in those moments. I actually, there's one scene from that movie that sticks with me, and Shia LaBeouf is in one of the Transformers as a car, speeding along, and there's a big melee going on, and they go boom, and it goes flying into the air, and the robot changes out of its car form into its robot form and Shia LaBeouf flies free and the camera follows him sailing through the air, you know, "Ah!" Mm -hmm. the robot does whatever it's doing. I completely forget which robot it was. It's probably Optimus Prime. I don't know. And and I forget what it does in its robot form, but then it sort of catches up to him and transforms back into a car around him. But the camera stays with Shia LaBeouf. And I'm like, the camera stays with the character mm-hmm. that's why you care and that's what i remember i'm probably misremembering it i don't know but my point is i agree with you 100% and i want to i want to pick apart a few of the little things that you sort of touched on there the the our lead is a kamikaze pilot right and the kamikaze pilots apparently i'm not a his, history expert here but from what i gather from the movie the emperor of japan ordered them to basically suicide bomb American ships, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the, uh, die with honor, basically turn yourself into a missile and kill as many of the enemy as possible. I think what we gather from the pilot, but also the engineers that he meets on the island are kind of like, well, that's fruitless. That's that's futile, right? And the, and the engineer... That takes a he lands ostensibly because, oh, there's something wrong with my plane, right? And they they look it over and they're like, Yeah, it's really, it's it's really interesting because there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with your plane. But he's not being a total dick about it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: he's sort of kind of like, Look, I get it. What's the point of wasting a good plane and wasting your life? Like, we lost, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And yet, like that, those are the orders. So that's I think throughout you get this schism of like what I'm supposed to do or what is the honorable thing to do and what makes sense. Like, so almost immediately he gets in his gun, he gets in his plane that's got the biggest gun and Godzilla walks right in front of him. And he... You know, and actually, even looks at him and I, he doesn't fire the gun because, I, in that moment, my interpretation of it is well, that, that's not going to do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what this gun is not going to kill it. Bullets are bouncing right off of it. And mm-hmm. if I shoot it, it's just going to turn and eat me. So he doesn't. And then it proceeds to kill everybody. But we laid, but the engineer, we laid the, the guy that shows up throughout the rest of the movie. That person blames him later. And he blames himself for his, see, you are a coward, you didn't do what you're supposed to do and stop this thing from happening to all of us. You know, however, we all know that wouldn't have made any difference at all, Mm -hmm. right? So this, this, this guilt, for me, Godzilla almost, and he, later in the film, he doesn't explicitly say this, but it's pretty clear, it was pretty clear in watching it to me that he kind of thinks that he made Godzilla happen personally. Like yeah. Godzilla is somehow punishment for his dereliction of duty, for his cowardice, right? If only I had done the honorable thing and, and you know, none of this would have happened. If only I had shot it when I had a chance, none of this would have happened, right? And I actually think that Godzilla as a metaphor, I mean, it doesn't square because Godzilla does destroy a city. It's probably yeah. a better metaphor for the nuclear bomb, which mm-hmm. otherwise isn't mentioned at all in this film. Right? right. There's no talk of the the United States bombing Hiroshima or Nagasaki. It's just mm-hmm. there is talk of the Americans, but there's it's, it's their rising conflict with the Russians and the sort of global destabilization that's causing. But glaringly obvious from the American point of view is the fact that we dropped two nukes on Japan. Yeah. What we get instead is Godzilla. So to me This city destroying, like, what do you do in the face of this? The metaphor is probably most clearly the the nuke. But I think it's actually even more compelling to look at through this guy's eyes. And this, like, this is retribution. This is what happens when I don't do my duty. Mm hmm. Because it's all throughout the movie and his neighbors accuse him of it. And he sort of redeems himself in the eyes of his neighbors by being a good surrogate father and a good surrogate husband and a good person and doing his best. But he can't forgive himself. You know, he, he, he can't forgive himself. And, and again and again, Godzilla sort of shows up at his darkest low points or when he feels like, Oh, I should do the quote unquote honorable thing here but I'm not going to, I'm going to make the quote unquote selfish choice and Godzilla shows up. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you think about that interpretation of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, so definitely the original Godzilla from the 1950s is, you know, all about Japan being destroyed, you know, and it's, it's definitely that allegory as you said. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on in this movie and there's probably some cultural things even that maybe we might miss. Um, but there's a lot in this about um you know, how these people are are kind of broken after the war and you know, these men coming back and being uh you know sort of broken in general there's a really interesting um so we haven't talked yet about the uh uh so the main character he gets a job on a on a boat and it's very jaws like where and all the characters in this i thought are so you like the character so much but he's on this ship with one guy's a scientist and then uh forget what the other guy's job is but another guy is young And he missed out on being in the war. And that's all he, you know, he uh, wishes he could have fought. And, you know, he wants a chance to fight and everything. And there's a scene right at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie where the scientist and whatever the other guy is are with the young guy. And he's, you know, lamenting that he didn't get to go and fight. And one of them says, I'm just paraphrasing the line, but something about that it was it's better to have not fought at all yeah um which i thought was really interesting you know this this has this uh you know kind of uh uh anti-war message to it as well
0: but i don't think i'm answering your question directly no no but yeah i definitely think senselessness of of war right yeah the senselessness of it all like, what were, what was Japan going to do, conquer the world? Like, why are we, it was an isolationist country for a long time, hundreds of years at least, and, mm-hmm. and then they got involved in this war, and now look what's happened. You know, whether it's America or the giant monster, but our, all of our men are dead, right? Mm-hmm. Our entire country's destroyed. He comes back. His parents are gone, and and Tokyo is just a shambles, like it's literally a shanty town. It's all that's left of of of. I think it's Tokyo that he comes back to, where he he goes back to his yeah, and and I think that that's woven all throughout. That's very much the fabric of the tapestry of this movie is the senselessness of all of this and these decisions being made at you know at the very highest levels that have. Like ordering people to become kamikaze pilots, die with honor, right? And it's like, why? Like,
1: no, <laughs> you know, for what? And you even have that in the, you know, what's going on in the in the movie now, where you know they they come up with this plan for how they're going to stop Godzilla, and they have a, you know, a general or whatever who's and the the uh, you know the guys on the on the boat find out that the that their scientist friend, who's just like this regular guy, was actually this bigwig, you know, uh, uh, top scientist. You know, they hatch this plan, and they get a bunch of men together, and a lot of them are pretty reluctant. They're like, hey, we already fought once, and like, we don't have anything. You want us to go
0: back out there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I thought that was, I think there's just a lot in this that you would not see in the american version of this movie where you know the american version of this movie everybody's going to be a hero there's not going to be anybody who's going to be like yeah i don't think i want to do that (laughs) you know right uh and uh so i i just thought that was you know they this this movie has you know at the end of the day it's a big godzilla you know big lizard and there's still some schmaltzy things with this and everything
0: sure but there's more depth to this than what you you typically expect to see in a way like more depth, way more depth. I mean, we, so he gets on the little Jaws boat, right? It's a little rickety wooden boat. That's a laugh moment, mm-hmm. you know. You go, this is the special boat to blow up the mines. It looks like a little, you know, you know, uh, Popeye tug put 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 put. You know, and then they they all kind of. Um, So there's that moment. I'm like, I'm going to die in this thing. But then they're like, they explain it to him. It's like, well, you can't have a metal boat because the mines are magnetic. Right. So you got to have a wooden boat and the, the, you get a, you get a kind of a fun comic book moment when you realize the crew is basically the salty captain, right. Who talks big and blustery and tough as nails. And then the sort of first mate who's this kid and wish he'd gone to war and he's young and he's eager. And right. And Mm -hmm. there's that trope. And then the sort of egghead, right, the, with the floppy hair and the scientist and adjusting his glasses. And he's like, oh, elementary. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. kind of that quirky guy. And then the gunner, who is this pilot, that's what he's going to do. He's going to, they're going to spot the mine. He's going to shoot the mine and blow it up at a distance. And that's how they clear the mines. And it's like, now they've got, they got their team of four. They're going to head out in their little putt-putt boat and they're going to do this, right? So you get that you know, a crack team of, you know, uh, (laughs) a unit to blow up the minds. But uh, as soon as we establish that and that clicks into that satisfying part of your brain that needs to categorize everything, they start developing relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And then the relationship between the kid and the captain is more complicated than it first appears. And then the scientist is more complicated than he first appears. And, you know, everything is more complicated than it first appears, and other than that surface level of like, you know what this is, this is the buddy, this is the buddy, four buddies on a boat, you know, solving the mission. Mm-hmm. Once you, as soon as you establish that for the satisfying, you know, salty taste of it, uh, it, it immediately begins to unpack and go onto the surface. So I think overall, the whole movie is very show don't tell, mm-hmm. right? It's very show you how they feel we're we're explicating it now but watching the movie isn't a lot of blah 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 you know and and other godzilla movies tend to get right into that well where what is it well it's a mutant because when they blew up the whatever nuke on the bikini atoll it mutated a gecko into it a, or a, you know mm-hmm. a gila monster a komodo dragon into a, in, it in godzilla is not need right yeah Godzilla is about the fact that it's this giant thing that is leveling the city that you can't do anything about, right? It's stepping on people. It's knocking over buildings with its tail. And, oh, my God, it shoots this kind of nuke ray from its mouth. It's like, it, this thing just keeps getting worse, right? Mm-hmm. And you're so concerned with, like, you barely even get to what are we going to do about it because you're so concerned with, like, get out of its way that you don't ever have time to think where did this thing come from right it's like that's yeah. way down the priority list and i love that the movie stays away from that yeah for sure I, I just i think it's really fantastic and then we we then we meet so he comes back and there's there's a neighbor that condemns him for his cowardice um and then he sort of in very short order bumps into a young woman with a kid he presumes that she's the mother of the child as we all do uh and she's sort of a you know she stole something i think and she sort of abandons the kid and he can't leave this little baby girl alone so he goes and picks it up and then she shows back up and she's like why didn't you just leave it why did you pick up the kid and he's like you know what are you talking about i can't just yeah. leave a baby yeah. And so she sort of moves in with him. And it turns out that the baby is not her daughter at all. That, you know, that I don't remember if somebody sort of abandoned the baby with her or I think she I, saw yeah, the, a, the parents. I think, killed somebody and, just,
1: I think somebody just left the baby somewhere and she and she took it. I think I, I could be wrong
0: on that, but I think she just sort of found it like on a bench or something. Very, very quickly. We've got a little family unit. Mm-hmm. Right very, very quickly, we've got mom, dad, and baby. And none of them are any relation to each other other than the fact that they're utterly bereft from the war. Um, and there's no romantic... I mean, I think in, a, in, in, a, in in most movies, you'd see at least one scene where there starts to be some sort of chemistry between them, and they fall in love. We don't get any of that in this movie. They, they do fall in love, but it happens almost despite You know, it's more about this character's PTSD. This character being the the lead, the male lead, um, than it is about the. You know, he sort of realizes late there isn't traditional romance, right? And and we see that 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 she has come to. I guess I don't know where I'm going with this. It's it's a it's a non traditional cinema vision of marriage and family, where the primary thing. And, and it's not making statements about, you know, uh, polygamy or any crap like that. It's just like at, in, a, in a situation like this where everyone has lost everything, you, you cling on to what you've got. Right. And all of these other characters are kind of like, this is really special. And he's like, well, but it's not. And like, that doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. how it came to be. You've got something really special here in the relationship you have to this woman and this child. Right. And the child, of course, thinks of him as a father and he keeps being like, I'm not your father. And they're they look at him, his his friends from the boat are like, shut up, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. You may not have chosen you you took him into your house. You're the dad. Like, that's right. what you're doing here. And and it's just so much more interesting than trying to make everything fit into the fairy tale roles. Right? Because yeah, you get to explore the complicated things that that feel like real life, um. And again, this is a Godzilla movie, so it's mm-hmm. just it was just a great, it was a great movie with wonderful relationships and
1: stakes. We, and We went into it, and you and you know everything I had read and seen about this everybody was just like it's great this movie yeah. is is excellent and i looked on rot tomatoes it's a 98% from critics and it's a 98% from viewers you know and and we are you know we're standing in in the line you know to get our ticket and you said could this really be as good as what everybody's saying
0: it it's is you know?
1: yeah and you're just sitting there you know you're just sitting there thinking wow this is a godzilla movie and it has more depth than probably some dramas you know
0: that i've seen lately yeah you said, um, hey, there's the new Godzilla movie. And I said, pass. Mm-hmm. I said, like, I just don't, I don't, I'm not even, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. And then you started being like, well, it's ni- what, 98? Mm-hmm. You said, well, it's 98% Rotten Tomatoes. And I was even like, well, you know, but, the, but that's a strong fan base. Audiences are going to like it. And what do the critics say? 98. That's weird. That's very unusual, you know? So I was like, well, oh. hmm. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, actually, it looks pretty good. Um, but it took me, a, I fought it. Like it took me a long time to come around to being interested in spending my time watching a Godzilla movie. It's a Japanese film. It's a $15 million Godzilla movie. Right. Which is, should be an oxymoron right there. So it's it's Japanese language with English subtitles. Right. It's <laughs> 98% audience score and a 98 percent critic score this movie shouldn't be possible it's like mm-hmm. almost if if you just said look it's a it's a five hundred thousand dollar godzilla movie and sure it's low budget but it's great i would have had an easier time believing that mm-hmm. but at the 15 million mark you cross so many other people, I feel like, at least in, in, in the studio system, have gotten involved that you kind of get the worst of both worlds. It's not enough money to make something really big budget, but it's enough money that everybody wants to tell you what to do and change everything, right? So you just kind of get screwed. You, you you don't have enough money to make it look spectacular, but it's enough money that everybody um, you know, is going to not think it tastes right until they – Pissing it basically, yeah. And this is just quite the opposite. It feels like a completely indie movie where the director got to do whatever he or she wanted. I don't know who directed. I don't. I really. Yeah, he's. uh I said his name here, but uh I would. We'll have. I, but, would I mean, like I don't to know anything into... about him or no, his no. work. No. But my thing I mean, is, no like, anything... but but it is a. It it looks good enough that you don't believe it's a fifteen million dollar movie. Oh, sure. One hundred and fifty million dollar movie, maybe. Yeah. like, what did this cost? 150. You'd be like, okay. And 15, that just doesn't, the CGI doesn't even seem possible for that. And I don't know anything about,
1: uh, uh, the Japanese, um, you froze up. Oh, you froze up there for a second. I don't, I don't know anything about the Japanese movie business really, but you know, it's, it's all on the, the money's all on the screen and more. So you, I kind of, you kind of have to wonder what the, you know, the structure must be very different than here where, you know, we, we talked about when we did uh, uh, the killer for Netflix and what did, what was the budget on that? 175 million. We're just like, where did, you know, there's not a lot of effects in that. I mean, there are effects, but, and it's just like, where did the, you know, and it's like, give this guy $175 million and what would he do? You know, I mean, it would be unbelievable.
0: Exactly. Um, like so they must be 12, 12 movies for that, buddy. Like, yeah.
1: So it must be whatever all the stuff, you know, they're wasting money on here, catering and all this kind of stuff. They must not be doing in Japan, you know?
0: Well, I do think, I, I do think that there's, I, I don't know. Again, like you, we don't know anything about how movies get made in Japan, but when you make a movie here, there are unions. And I think that it's good that there are unions, that 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 can be trades. But I and that is a big part of inflating budgets here Mm -hmm. is just making sure that everybody gets paid at a certain standard. I I love independent films. Sure. Right. Um, and, and, And I love the kind of, you know, hand to mouth, hard scrabble, you know, steal whatever shots you can steal to get that, that vibe, I love the scrappiness of independent film, but having produced independent movies, you know, it is a constant heartache that, that everybody involved deserves better. Like they deserve to get paid well for all the hard work they do. And they, so I don't begrudge that, but even so, even so the killer being 175 million and this being 15 is That's just such a wild discrepancy. This has got a dinosaur that destroys cities and ships at sea. Like, just filming the guys in the boat. You know, if you said it's 15 million and you know what, we're going to take Godzilla out of it and it's guys in the boat and it's post war Tokyo that's all bombed out. Like, just the sets and getting, you know, extras. And I think you'd get to 15 million just making this movie look as good as it does without Godzilla in it. Oh yeah. I mean, just to have a movie where
1: not even on the boat, just have the people in their homes and stuff, you know what I mean? $15 million would, you know, would, would probably not touch it. And, you know, um, I definitely, I get what you're saying about the union and everything, but presumably everybody involved with this was paid you know what i mean so it's not like they yeah
0: presumably it's not yeah. like everybody worked for free yeah know? and i don't um, again i don't we don't know from japanese cinema but i don't know if these are name you know i don't know if these are sort of you know here if you're going to put um you know brad pitt in a movie you're spending 20 million dollars on on brad pitt just yeah. having brad pitt be in the movie so you say well the the budget's 100 million you know, 20% of that is your lead. Yeah. For better or for worse. So, so I mean, I think if you're using no-name actors, the risk with that is that, A, you don't get the audience that just shows up to see the actor they're familiar with. But, B, you might not get, you know, Brad Pitt's not just a pretty face. He's great at what he does. Oh, sure. So, I think the performances in Godzilla Minus One are absolutely fantastic and again it's not in my first language i'm reading subtitles but you could watch this with the sound off and you would get what's going on between the characters yeah Terrific sure. acting even the baby girl is great and she yeah. gets to be like two and you know she's great every the directing of the so you have to say that's the director that's great casting so that you get people that are really going to show up. And, you know, she's fantastic. He is fantastic. The guys on the boat are fantastic. The, the the At the end, the scene where the general or the admiral or whatever comes and tries to inspire, he's like, the reason you're all here is that you're the only people that really are that are left that know how to basically we need to pilot these ships. We need to confront Godzilla at sea. So we need seamen like you to make this possible. And I can't order you to do it. It has to be a volunteer thing. This is just we're There's nobody else, but us, this is nobody else is coming up with a plan. You know, we gotta, if, if, if we don't stop Godzilla, who will, right. And the, the guys kind of come around, and, you know, so everybody in that scene is great. Everybody is great.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's not a perform poor performance in the whole thing. And it's, it's a shame Because, you know, this movie has done, has done well. It's, it's, uh, I just checked while we were talking here, uh, 86 million worldwide on a $15 million budget. So I'm, I'm sure there'll be another one of these. Uh, and I, I, you know, we joked when we talked about, you know, I brought this up to you watching it. I thought it was called Godzilla plus one, which is completely different. (laughs) I don't really know what the title
0: Godzilla minus one means. Godzilla I, shows up at a wedding, but you'll yeah, you know, but, yeah. but the date he brings with him really causes waves. Yeah. But
1: uh, but it, you know, it's a shame because this is a movie that I think has a ton of universal appeal. You know, if you'd say to people, hey, there's a new Godzilla movie, and people are like, nah, I don't think so. And it's Japanese and it's subtitled. I'm out. I'm not gonna, you know, so there's just right. a lot of people that will never see this. Yeah. But I think, you know. I think there are i think this could appeal to lots and lots of people who wouldn't necessarily typically be into this kind of thing just because there's you know it's it's kind of like an old fashioned you know i i always i need to get different references, but I always come back to the jurassic park and right. you know and those and those kind of things and how you know Spielberg probably better than anybody maybe ever in filmmaking maybe James Cameron but knows how to appeal to everybody basically and this is that kind of movie where it has you know it you have uh Godzilla biting people's heads off and all that kind of stuff so you have that for the people that like the horror aspect but you have this real drama and depth and characters that you like that I just think is so rare in what we see now in uh and and you know you would almost like to see an american remake of this just like beat for beat remake because more people would see it but i think an american version they would cut out all the stuff that makes it good
0: yeah i don't know and and i also think there's something there's something very japanese about this story and about the concept of godzilla that I Mm -hmm. think has never trans with, you know, you have Brian Cranston talking about it. It's just,
1: I did like that. I liked that one. And that was actually a foreign director. I think he's Mexican or Spanish who did that, but then they went away from that with the, like the next one was just terrible. Just awful.
0: I did. I remember what I remember about that movie is it, it, I don't remember it very well. I remember that the trailer is all about Brian Cranston and Brian Cranston dies in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, spoilers for people who done it. And I felt that that was like, because it was a height of Breaking Bad or right afterwards, and I couldn't get enough of Brian Cranston. And I was like, that's sure. it. That's all I got. That's a yeah. bait and switch. Um, but what, what it really set it up as a disaster movie like the world is ending, the climate is collapsing, uh, a meteor is gonna hit the earth, um, aliens are invading. It's something like that. And it's just sort of like this, what do we do? Even contagion, like what do we do in the face of this impending doom? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, oh, there's some I don't even remember if they beat Godzilla in it or not. But the whole movie that. is framed as a disaster movie. It's like, well what do you do when it becomes clear we're not going to make it through this one and this movie is not that no it it, it's so hard for me to explain adequately that godzilla is almost incidental Mm -hmm. to this godzilla movie and and it's also godzilla porn right you also get the satisfaction of the thing, the giant feet at the foot, the crowds running away from him, the the giant Godzilla feet stomping people flat, the tail knocking over buildings, you know, the the nuclear heat ray, they call it, or atomic ray or whatever that it shoots out of its mouth the, and creates a mushing thing
1: popping up out of his back yeah. and they turn blue and glass. Yes. and everything. He yeah. picks
0: up a train car, you know, our heroine is dangling. All the people fall out of the train car like, you know, crumbs shaken out of a can You get all of that action movie, kaiju, great, you know, satisfying stuff that you, that I think Godzilla fans must love. Yeah. But it's not a movie about Godzilla. No. You know, it's a movie about these characters. I, I I can't, you have to see it. Like I can't land on what a coup that is. And then the fact that you're like, well, and it was just $15 million is like a magic trick is like, and I fit this entire city into a VW. And you're like, that's yeah, impossible. That's yeah. impossible. Yeah. You know, it's just a movie a magic trick.
1: And that's why these other, so like I said, whatever year that was, 2017 or something like that, the Bryan Cranston came, one came out. I did like it. And then the next one, they just went super cornball with it. And, you know, you have these characters that you just, they're all cartoon cut out. Care, and you don't care anything about them right so then you're just left with I'm just waiting to see Godzilla step on somebody or knock down a building or whatever and that's not enough for you want to yeah. enjoy a movie in my opinion
0: you know and well we and we do we do lose characters in this movie mm-hmm. and it's incredibly painful so I think the other pitfall that sometimes movies fall into is they develop interesting characters about whom we care. And then they're like Teflon, they're like superheroes, like nothing can kill them, right? And I I think that one of the things, like for example, about the Walking Dead series that I loved is you couldn't get attached To anybody because it would break your heart when that person got eaten, you know, Mm -hmm. and it happened routinely like that show was a meat grinder. And I thought was one of the strengths of the show is you experience like the people in the movie, this constant heartbreak of trying to survive in this post apocalyptic world where. Everybody dies, so we do even people we see in the street get obliterated. Yeah, that we don't know the movie carefully makes you care about them. Right. It's a, you know, it's a, you're, you're hiding in an alley. And just before you see a woman get stomped on under Godzilla's foot, we don't know her. She's just a person It humanizes her. Right. She's screaming for her child or she's looking around frantically because, you know, her husband or her brother or whatever, there's just a moment before she gets squished. And it's not a gross, like, you don't, it's not one of those movies where the foot comes down and you see her eyeballs pop out. She just yeah. vanishes under the foot, right? So I mean, it's it's you could take This isn't a gory movie. It's PG-13 maybe, right? Mm. It's it's PG-13 because it's so emotionally distressing, not because it's graphically disgusting. Um but but there's just a moment before she gets crushed where you powerfully empathize with her fear and helplessness. And so we see that again and again you you care about the loss of human life in this movie yeah. and and all the way up to uh, all the way up to where we lose I, I want to say mom although she's again the wife he he witnesses her get she pushes him out of the way and then is is blown away in the onslaught and I mean I turned to you in the movie and I was like I can't, I'm going to cry. Like, this, is, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. believe we lost her. That's, you
1: and know? And more, more guilt for him. They just, like, pile on the guilt, you exactly. know. Then. Exactly. Uh, it
0: doubles down. It doubles down. And he's like, I, this is
1: all my fault. But they do, you know, it's kind of a cake and eat it too thing where, I mean, this is a major, major spoiler. But you spend the rest, I don't know how much more, 45 minutes or something like that, thinking that she's dead. And then... Right. At the end, it turns out she's been in a hospital all the log all right. that while, but it's very satisfying because you're it's like, oh, she's not dead,
0: <laughs> because it earns
1: it, right? Right.
0: So it does the classic, oh, you get her back, which yeah, in most movies you're like, you don't get her back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't get to be dead and not dead, guys. But this movie buys it, and so at the end, you internally you roll your eyes a little bit, like, of course they let her be alive. But you're so genuinely happy (laughs) that she's alive that you just eat it. You're like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm so glad she's back. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And you almost cry there, you know, like happy tears, you know. Absolutely. There was one question that I had, and this is a pretty subtle thing, and I wondered what you thought about this. So after she, you know, she's dead. And you have the neighbor who's this, you know, older woman. I don't know how old she is, but, and, you know, she's very mean to him when he comes back, she's like, you know, you're a coward and a loser and, you know, you're a kamikaze and you didn't come back. Well, once mom is out of the picture, then she moves in and, you know, she's taking care of the little girl. And when he finds out and they find out, I think, does he get a letter? I think, I think he gets a letter saying that she's alive, but. So the neighbor woman, there's a, you know, it's very brief and subtle, but there's, you know, she realizes you as the viewer don't know that that she's alive, I don't think, but he realizes it and the neighbor lady realizes it and she kind of grabs him and, and hits him like, and I took it as she thought she's going to be the mom now and she has realized that the mom is coming back and she's, you know what I'm talking about? Did you, did you catch that?
0: Um. I, I don't know that I had that precise interpretation of that moment, but I don't remember it very clearly. But she but kinda I mean, like But it reinforces she... that it's show don't tell. It's is yeah. We're not and uh, we're not always a hundred percent clear in any given moment why someone cares so much and it's it, it it feels very human because it's never just a single thing, right? Life is mm-hmm. a dialectic that multiple apparently contradictory things can be true at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So like I
1: said, that was a pretty subtle thing and I, but she's, she's clearly upset that he's gotten this letter and you don't know why. And then when you see, you know, that she's alive in the hospital and and so then, you know, in hindsight that I took that to be, it's like, okay, I don't get to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, I go back to being, Hey, maybe I'll take care of the baby once in a while, but I'm not going to be the real caretaker for this baby anymore. Yeah. Yeah you know, which was another little, you know, emotional thing that if my interpretation was right.
0: No, but I think your interpretation is valid. Like, that's what I love about a complicated true feeling movie like this about real human relationships is as frequently. She can be happy that the woman is still alive. She can be afraid that the woman is alive, but maybe maimed right mm-hmm. she can be afraid that this guy hasn't gotten over his ptsd enough to go you go get her you know yeah um and it can be fear that i'm not going to get to be basically the mother of this little girl anymore because what the the woman that you know so it can be it can be all of that and that's mm-hmm. all very human and feels very true and they don't sit and have a conversation about their feelings they just express them in the moment, mm-hmm. and it's complicated and it's kaleidoscopic and I think this whole the directing of this whole film nails that in the performances uh I just thought it was absolutely great filmmaking
1: yeah, and another spoiler alert you know Godzilla's not dead we fight you know they go through the the whole you know uh, their whole plan that they sink him to the bottom of the ocean, and then we see you know he lights up and you know that's the end of the movie so and and as you know as well as this did uh there's definitely going to be a sequel i hope it's the same team of people that comes back in terms of the you know the presumably it'll be a different story not these same characters uh i don't know but uh but i hope it's the same director and production team and everything that comes back that's what's
0: so funny that's the kind of catch-22 of it because You know, as an action movie, of course there's going to be a sequel. People want more of the same, right? Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to make a good movie that's more of the same, right? It's why you don't remake Psycho. Like, we already made Psycho. Why remake? You already did it, right? How is this possibly going to be better or even as good as the original? So then you think, okay, well... Um, We've got a franchise here, which was really the whole point of leaving a kind of a, you know, dot, dot, dot after the end so that we can make another one. But the real challenge is making a totally different movie that is also a sequel to the original. And sometimes people use an entirely different cast, an entirely different setting, and it's too different to feel like, you know... Mm -hmm. a a sequel to the first one and then more often i think what you get is a kind of um rehashing of the things that focus grouped well from the first one and they just try and make another blanket out of the cut up pieces of the first one and it it feels fundamentally unsatisfying because there's nothing really all that new um added as great as great a movie
1: as Jurassic Park is i don't know how many Jurassic Park and Jurassic right. World movies have been diminishing
0: return yeah
1: and Jurassic Park 2 Spielberg even came
0: back for and directed you know yeah.
1: it's nowhere none of them are anywhere near as good as as the right. original
0: you know right so. so it's the paradox of a Godzilla movie this good is kind of like well of course Now, studios are going to want to make a whole slew of Godzilla movies that audiences will flock to see, but this movie is really a one off. Like, yeah, all you can do in sequels is explain Godzilla and you know, make it more about Godzilla, and you don't get a second movie where Godzilla is just the sort of nameless metaphor that he is in this. Yeah. Because that doesn't Um, float for over time either. Right. I mean, no, you, the more you see a Godzilla, the more you learn about Godzilla and that is precisely not the point. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally right. Um, one thing that I was thinking about with this is, you know, we don't really, this is our first episode recording in 2024 and, you know, we really don't do like year end kind of stuff like that or anything we haven't. And, um, but, uh, and i and i was looking at the box office charts and i i uh out of the top 50 highest grossing movies i saw 5 in the theater this year and i mean there would have been times in the past where maybe every movie in the top 20 i would have seen in the movie theater you know so i don't know if that's just age or if it's just the movies that are be- being made or what but uh so i you know there's a lot that i didn't see this year um but I don't know that there was a movie that came out in 2023 that I enjoyed any more than this.
0: I, yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't seen the boy in the crane, another Japanese, but it's a mm-hmm. studio Ghibli movie that came out that was in the theater when we went and I, yeah, we would pass the marquee like for it. to see that very much. I'd love to see that in the theater too. But I mean, part of it is I just don't go out to the movies anymore. Um, so yeah. I wait for things to come out on streamers, and it is a fundamentally different experience but i don't know twenty twenty three's been such a strange and i I almost can't remember the, over the last twelve months like was that a twenty twenty three like but you're right this one is fresh I in been, my mind I don't think since
1: the pandemic time has ever worked the same way it did in the, in the past Is what you know but and the and again, I think this is a I don't think this is me changing. I think it's just the, the the movie business changing where it's and it's, you know, we just watched a Godzilla movie. So it's not like I want to just watch art house films, you know, all the time. But it seems like so much of the time when I see, like, I just sent you the trailer for this new movie that's coming out called Lisa Frankenstein. And I yeah. thought that's not, it's a universal film. So it's, it's possible, but it, it looks pretty low budget so i thought that's not going to play here so i'm probably going to have to wait you know to watch it at home and yeah. that happens like one of the movies that i most want to see and we talked about this when we were sitting waiting for godzilla to start is um is it poor things is that what it's called um which is another yeah sp- yeah yeah, yeah. Poor things. Story. exactly yeah and you know if if that were playing in the theater here i would have already seen it but it's not so right. it's, you know what I mean. It just seems like there's so much of the interesting. It's frustrating because so much of the, so many of the interesting movies. You, I would go to the movies a lot if there were more things that I wanted to see in the you theater.
0: Know, I'm looking at a list here of like just a Google up top movies of 2023 to remind myself. Many many of them, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. Many many of them are I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon. Look like. um foreign films that maybe i haven't boy and the heron is on here um spider-man spider-verse the animated sequel i loved it i i loved it as well and i walked out of there shaking my head being like i i didn't have any expectation that that movie was going to be as good as that was um so, However, again,
1: blockbuster animated movies, so it's not like we're like, but,
0: oh, I just want to see indie right. arthouse movies, you know? But I do feel like this one edges it out for sort of technical points. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I think this is, I think you have a certain leeway with animated films, that you don't when you're making live action. I think you have more control sure. over the the image on the screen because you're literally creating every any of it. I think it's that's not a subtitled foreign language film. I think it, even the voice acting, though, is recognizable talent in Spider-Man. That's not the case mm-hmm. here. Um, this is a Godzilla movie, which is a very specific thing, which for me was a challenge, right? So that's the sort of in the deficit, uh, the fifteen You're million dollar budget, two, to kind of like Spider Man, you know? Yeah, exactly. I it's it's a sequel. I had seen and loved the first one, so I already went into it with good. And, and I think that if I had to compare the two and I had to vote, I would think that I'd have to give it to to Godzilla simply because it's a coup in so many categories
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right and i that's not to say i mean by all means folks go see or i guess the streaming now watch that second spider-verse movie it's it's amazing it's so great um but it's a very different animal sure all Um, right so and i haven't seen a lot of the other ones on this list yeah that's the thing i
1: you know even with the I'll forge you this list. We should watch these movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's the thing where even, you know, I used to watch most of the Oscar movies. And it's like, I'll see the list and it's like, some of these movies I haven't even heard of, you know. Right. So. Right. So I think that's going to be the uh, two thumbs up for for
0: us. 100%. Unequivocally. Um, so unequivocal,
1: yeah. I mean, as I said, if you if if this is still playing in the theater and you can get out to the theater to see it, um, do so because yeah, I, I mean, it's it it, it, see it on the biggest screen you possibly can because I, I definitely think you know this it, I've, it would still be great, but I, I definitely think even you know, if you've got a 50 or 60 or 70 inch TV or whatever, it would lose something. In, in terms of the, the action
0: yeah. aspects. Yeah, and I think uh-huh. we this gets talked about with uh, Denis Villeneuve's movies, but i, I the, the concept of scope in film is something, you know, people think about the editing and the lighting and being able to convey epic scope is not a given, right? It's yeah. a challenge that I think when it's done well, it's so baked into the, Whoa, feeling you have that you don't realize the technical challenges of creating that on a two dimensional screen. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, in, in Denny Villeneuve's Dune, the first part, there's a scene where they come running out and the entire shipyard is kind of being bombed from the sky. And it's a, you know, it's an overwhelming, intense, beautifully shot, epic thing, but you really feel the scope of it the the size mm. of the shipyards and the size of the ships and the distance right that's not that's not a given like that's that's hard to achieve and i think this movie is full of that too particularly in the godzilla sequences um yeah and, and that's just you know one of those go big or go home like that's even more apparent on a giant screen like this and it's a whole you want a blockbuster movie. Uh, godzilla movie a disaster movie a kaiju movie you want you want that scope so yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, i agree absolutely stuck the landing um chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com is our handle we're on the socials like and subscribe leave us a comment thank you for listening slash watching whatever you're doing um we haven't talked have we decided what we're going to do next
1: No, I had a couple. I I don't know if you had any thoughts. I had a couple of suggestions. Um, I watched Saltburn, which I think would be the two movies are very different from this one, but I watched Saltburn, which that's on a lot of lists of the best, you know, best of 2023. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff about that. Also, I've not seen this, um, but do you know the movie The Holdovers?
0: Well, that sounds familiar.
1: It is. It is. Um, uh, give me just one second, and I will bring it up here. I think it would be another, another something fun to talk about. So it's Paul Giamatti.
0: Oh yeah 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 yeah. It we could do that. Rachel by... wants to watch that one.
1: Okay, great. Directed by Alexander Payne, um, who did uh, also with Paul Giamatti uh, did. Sideways yeah. and you know election Nebraska, uh, yeah. So how about if we do that one for next? Because I'll we'll do I the really holdovers
0: next. One. That's another new movie. So why don't you guys watch that and join us for our next episode when we discuss what we thought of it? Yeah, cool. Um, well, we're at time. Great episode. Always a pleasure. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, everyone.
0: And uh, unless you have anything else to add here at the end, no, nope. that is all. Chris and I will talk to you all next week, baby.